This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's king of swing fighting, though. He's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untapped holding on. What a win. Untapped from the Rarison Sandia Cup. But Gold Trip is brave. A hundred to go. A length and a half emissary. Gold Trip is going to win the Lexus Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Cracking the Codes. We're live from Flemington. I'm Dan Malicki, and uh, I am joined by Matt Stewart and Simone Fisher, as I am every week on Cracking the Codes, but we're at Royal Flemington this morning. How are you, Simone? Oh, good morning, Dan. Uh, yeah, what a, a great place to be broadcasting from. This is um, very special to me. I haven't been here to, at Flemington for a, a long, long time, and... Um, it's amazing when you come this early in the morning what's going on. So good morning um, to you both, but um, what an exciting day ahead for all those gallops. People, Dan, with the, the lightning stakes and um, reflecting on some terrific horses that have won this race throughout the years. Of um, I know we're going to have some terrific replays of them as well. And um, a lot of big racing all around the country at the moment with um, Captain Ravishing, of course, uh, up at the Chariots of Fire tonight, the Australian Cup Eats and Superstayers at the Meadows as well. But um, you must be looking forward to the day ahead, Dan, because you've got a horse in the last race as well. Hello, broadcast. Yeah, of all the races today, it's the one that I can't be here for <laughs> because I'm working at Melton tonight, which is a, a bit of a shame. Uh, otherwise, to have a runner that's on a group one day, it's a big thrill for any owner. It doesn't matter what race that you are in, but it would have suited me if it was in the first half of the day uh, today, that's for sure. But anyway, I won't be willing it to uh, not perform well. Um, it's a, it is a wonderful day. There's something pretty special about the Lightning Stakes. Uh, this is really, it's the 1,000 metre sprint championship, if you like. So, um, and it's got a, a wonderful honour roll of, uh, of winners over the, uh, the period. Um, and of course, Nature Strip, who won the race in 2021, he's at the twilight of his career, but I know having had a chat to, uh, to Matt Stewart, which we'll get in a moment, um, about the two fastest horses of either code. Uh, Captain Ravishing is running in the Chariots of Fire tonight at Menangle, and, uh, and his driver, Mark Pitt's going to join us a little bit later on. But um, the two fastest horses uh, of either code, Captain Ravishing could actually be the nature strip of harness racing and, and vice versa. So that's pretty exciting, worth keeping in mind uh, of the two uh, champions that are there racing. One's at Flemington, one's at Menangle tonight. How are you, Matt? Good, sorry. I had a little bit of a headphone issue. <laughs> so I went for a wander while you guys <laughs> You know, you introduced... took, if you took the phone part out of that and you had a head issue, yeah. I think everyone say, well, duh. Um, <laughs> I, but... Well, what I did do is I went for a little wander outside while you guys introduced the show and just sort of took in a little bit of the atmosphere. It's just such a gorgeous day here at Flemington and it's dead still. Uh, Lee Jordan was here earlier, and we're going to have a chat to him later. He said we might get more than 10,000 today really? for the Black Caviar Lightning. Uh, so it's going to be an amazing day out here today. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the challenge of the, uh, of, of, of the Nature Strip Challenge from Barrier 1 and the Lightning, and we'll talk a bit more about that a little bit later on as well. But as you say, Captain Ravishing, uh, it's a perfect day to be t for them to be running on the same it is, isn't it? day and yeah. night, uh, albeit two states apart, because for those gallopers, uh, those Gallops fans who... Uh, just tuning into the Captain Ravishing story, his uh, quest in the uh, Chariots of Fire tonight is going to be something really to watch. And we're going to talk to his strap, your, strap yourself in driver, uh, Mark Pitt, a little bit later on. Top son, so, he's the maverick. Yeah. yeah, so looking forward to that. But uh, I think it's really all about Flemington. It, it, obviously, the, the sombre note continues. Uh, 
the Tony Burke Memorial is race five and Tony Burke's funeral was yesterday. And of course, we lost our great mate Dean Lester in the last uh, 24 hours as well. And I think we're all feeling very flat about that. But uh, what we're going to try and do, Cindy Alderson was probably, he had a lot of close confidants, Dean Lester, but I think Cindy was probably closer than absolutely most of them. And she's going to share some some light-hearted left-field stories about Dean and his passions beyond racing. The, the, Cindy's got a lovely, lot of lovely, great stories about Dean, and I've got one or two of my own about uh, um, the many shades of Dean. And he wasn't just a, a much-loved tipster and judge and all that sort of stuff. He loved live theatre. He loved uh, musical concerts, as Simone does. Um, very, he had a great sense of humour as well. And uh, Cindy's got some lovely stories about some of the intimate conversations she had with Dean about... Um, life in general and, and all those sorts of things. So um, looking forward to that. There's some very funny stories in there as well. Yeah, look, looking forward to that. And look, one, we all know he's probably the greatest mind on horse racing that any one of us have come across on that. Uh, derivative would have uh, been mentioned on dozens of times through the course of the last 24 hours or so. But as you said, it was just a wonderful human being and there wasn't anything you couldn't talk about. Well, and he loved animals. Uh, he had a, there was a cat called Chairman Mao that he particularly liked. And Cindy's going to talk, talk to us about <laughs> Dean's love affair with a particular little kitten called Chairman Mao. So all sorts of things like that. So if you want to learn more about the great man and, and the complete story, not just the, the great judge and the horse racing thing, that was a part of a big part of his life, but there was much more to Dean Lester than that. Well, I was at my cousin's house. She lives out down near Warrigal uh, many, many years ago, and um, her neighbour was at her place as well. It must have been a party or something, and um, at that time I was working on Sky, and he said to me, oh, do you know Dean Lester? And I said, I don't know him, but, you know, obviously I've heard his name. He said, I, I would love to meet that man. He said, I'm just absolutely in awe of him. This would probably be uh, maybe 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. And um, I don't actually think I ever met him personally, but we had him on Cracking the Codes one time. Well, and he was just about our number one fan. And and he never yeah, missed a show. Yeah, that's right. And he actually um, was him and his mum. He gave that lovely story, Dan, about him and his mum and Ned Bryant. I think they yeah. used to line up and get their dogs checked by Ned Bryant as well. So his connections go far broader than just the gallops. And, um, and he owned harness horses as well. Yeah, he had a good horse called Croker. And he was a romantic at heart. I mean, he was, there was lots of things that Dean was unable to do because of his terrible physical uh, ongoing and worsening f physical situation. But uh, there was so many things he was bursting to do. And, and then he, he actually lived a bit vicariously through what others could do, and he really enjoyed it. And Cindy's going to tell us some stories. It was a bit like that movie that Russell Crowe was in years ago. Uh, oh, Benjamin Proof. Button? No, Proof, know? where the photos were taken so someone could enjoy the yeah. blind man. And that yeah. Dean's situation, he couldn't physically travel, for instance, and a few of us, um, he enjoyed trinkets from overseas trips and, uh, and all sorts of things like that. So uh, very complicated difficulties that Dean had but he, he was more than happy to not be jealous of others but to to take snippets of their lives and, and that enriched his sort of sense of things that he was unable to physically uh, achieve uh, himself so um, Cindy Alderson's going to join us to she was you know they were best absolute besties and uh, she's going to share some some stuff that's a bit maybe a little bit more light-hearted because it's been a very somber sad um, reflective day or so regarding Dean and um, I think it's a good, good opportunity now to, uh, to talk about some things that will, might bring a smile to some people's faces. There's the uh, Aussie flag uh, at half-mast today uh, as well uh, in memory of Dean which is, well, well it's a predictable but wonderful gesture from the VRC. And Simone you mentioned, because uh, this is a rare visit to Flemington for you, 
Um, it's amazing what goes on for a big race day, the last bits of spit and polish. And what we're looking at now is uh, just final rehearsals there's a group of people so i don't know what they're going to be doing but they're all wearing the same suits in the mounting yard so something's going on over there there's sort of like a guard of honor sort of thing so we might they've all got show bags in their hands too so who knows what that's all about it's also so. another common denominator you, you actually yeah. see a different side of flemington here at this time of the morning don't you um i didn't expect i haven't been here for quite some time and the last oh, i don't know if it was the last race meeting i was at um because Martin Power was the Cox Plate, so that was Mooney Valley. It might have been Vintage Crop, the Melbourne Cup, um, that I was here on that really cold. But you would have been fashions day. on the field. No, God, you? no. no. You're in fine form there. <laughs> not in I'm not. She used not, to dominate the Melbourne country, level. but she wasn't Metro Standard, <laughs> no, apparently. Certainly wasn't. That. Um, <laughs> The group, I think they might be from the Asian Racing Conference with Lee Jordan over there, and that was a massive event that occurred this week. A think tank and delegates from all over the world gathered at the convention centre, and we were broadcasting from there, and we were outside the actual conference in the sort of the hallway, but we got good snippets from people. Uh, Chris Waller and others joined us to talk about the common uh, problems and common challenges and, and common, um, you know, the good things that are happening in racing all around the world as well. So it was interesting to to get an insight into into a lot of those things. I think a lot of things are a bit not as relevant as others, perhaps. Mm. Well, I've just wondered what came out of it, Matt, with um, the lack of staff that trainers across harness as well. Even with greyhounds, it's hard to get staff, but we're not on the, we don't need the labour-intensive um, workforce that you perhaps need for gallops and harness because everyone is crying out for workers. They just can't get them, and it's across the board everywhere. But um, with those sort of issues addressed, the grassroots, it's all right to talk about dress codes at races to get patrons here. It's okay to talk about moving dates of races. But that, to me, is not significant compared to if you can't get the staff on the ground, all the rest is insignificant. I didn't attend the last day, and I don't know whether that was a major part of it. A lot of it was about um, re-engaging with the community, um, how do we deal with... The gambling spectre, um, cost on course, uh, all those sorts of things were swirling around. Common rules like whips and all that sort of stuff. This is the scene of where Blake Shin breached that whip rule a few weeks ago and that was a, a major moment as well. So, yeah, there was, there was a lot spoken about. Hopefully that it resonates and hopefully meaningful uh, uh, movement comes out of it. Brian Kruger did say yesterday that the chairman of, the, of Racing Victoria that he took that there's a lot of things that they want to implement, so we'll see how that plays out. What about but, all the bonuses? I know I brought this up once with you guys, but um, uh, bonuses, they're often bonuses we don't even know about. Half a million dollars, one million dollars, uh, you know, Manicato to Dali, or, you know, once upon a time it was Carbine Club, might still be. Some of them we, we're not even aware of. But instead of half a million or a million dollars for a bonus that often doesn't track any stronger field, um, that money put across the, the bar for the contractors here so you can get beers for two dollars and uh, along those lines. How yeah. would that work? Yeah, well, I think cost is something that emerged as a, as a key issue. Like people who come here today or go to any racetrack are going to be. Uh, have to think about the ongoing issue with rising interest rates and cost of living and so on and what choices they make in life and whether this is going to be an amazing day out here today and I would would certainly encourage anyone to come out here today but the ongoing issue for racetracks all around the world is um, the cost of going as opposed to the cost of staying home but the advantage of coming here today is it looks absolutely beautiful. It's looking very botanical today. It's uh, going to be a lovely, fine day. They're going to get a crowd of about 10,000. It's great to hang out with a big crowd and, and cheer home the champions. And I think they, these are the great attractions. There are reasons for people 
to balk at going to the races, but the, the reasons to go to the races are very much at Flemington today. You can stand 30 feet in front of us and be three feet from Nature Strip. Oh, yeah, and, and there's a lot of other star horses as well. Um, it is very exciting. As it was last week, we went to Elwick last Sunday. What a fabulous day. Sometimes, depending on the work commitments you have throughout the course of a race meeting, um, can preclude you from being in certain places. But we got an opportunity to wander. It was one of the most enjoyable days I've had, had at the races. You were talking aesthetically, beauty. It, it's a fabulous-looking track. Yeah. When you're actually there, is there a better scenery that around Elwick than, than what we well, had the other the day? Well, the Derwent in the background yep. and, um, and the mountains. The inevitable charging along the back street. That the, was pretty the... special, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. The crowd got behind it. I really liked the way that they promoted that. Mm. He's coming here for the All-Star Mile, and he's not just coming here to make up the numbers, Matt. We walked away and we, we looked at each other and said, you know what, he, he can win this. Yeah, no, I, he can definitely win the All-Star Mile, and he's... Uh, He's a good story horse who can probably win at weight for age. I'm not big on the weight for age bit with the, the all-star mile because it sort of eliminates the battlers yeah. a bit. But so he, more like a set weights penalties yeah. sort of Turnbully type style. Yep, I think perhaps. That, that would be the right compromise. But having said that, this little horse, Simone, he's the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen. Um, He's, he's nicely put together. Yeah, he's fallen in love with him. I've fallen in love with him. I want to put, put him in my pencil case <laughs> and take him home. So anyway, that's coming up. So... Black Caviar Lightning today is going to be an absolute ripper. The, the race card itself is fantastic. Through the next hour, we're going to try and drag a few uh, participants yes, over. drag. Uh, it sounds like you're you going to force them against their You know that thing they use on stage, will. the yes, hook? The we're going to hook them yeah. in. So and to hello to all of our uh, listeners in, in Tassie too, because one thing that uh, was uh, front and centre for us was the amount of people that... Uh, are listening to RSN and Tassie. So hello everyone that listens to RSN. And anyone who is listening in Tassie, matter. I'll just let them know that I was receiving text messages after midnight from Dan, but Matt had um, called it early. Yeah, well, he's a sprinter, sounds, which is appropriate for like like state a, day. Sounds like it's a not go there. But it sounded, it sounded like you had a great time and um, I'm sure, yeah, plenty of connections there and it was all, all good in the end. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, Sadly, I think it was well before midnight, though, because uh, <laughs> I know what time he piked it. Well, the, the, the town did shut down rather early. But anyway, hey, um, the next hour as well, uh, we, uh, the continuation of the, the big coverage today for Lightning Stokes Day. Yep. Duff's going to join us to give us a Sydney take on Melbourne. Tio Nugent yeah. uh, will be able to join us as well. Yep, yep, Tio Nugent as well, and, and some of the big players as well. Lee Jordan, Joe McGrath Lee Jordan, Joe McGrath from um, and plenty, plenty more. Liam O'Keefe will set the scene for... The track's always gorgeous here. The track was a bit firm at the Valley last night, so we'll check with Liam about how... It was a 39, 40-degree day, so yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it, no matter how much water you put, put on it, it's yeah. going to no, exactly. soak it up pretty quickly. Exactly right. And we have our... We've sort of done a top three each, which was yep. hard to do, and Simone's found one special lightning memory of a big grey horse, let's just say, and it might not be the one you're thinking of. Might no, be the other one. might be the other one. Might be the other one. Might be the other one. Um, and we have, we've, I've sort of ignored Black Caviar because she sort of stands so far above and it's Black Caviar Lightning Day, but just, just to rekindle some memories from listeners and really set the scene for a big race today, three really special winners to us of the Lightning Stakes, and I've found three, and mine are all in a row. Wow. So it was a ripper little period. And oddly enough, I call all three of them as well. I don't think my voice is on these ones that you've got. Deliberately. But I remember them really well. <laughs> yeah, you've so done that, it deliberately. Yeah, yeah. And I think ours are all of a similar era too. Yeah. So there was a, a halcyon era. But is that well, the impressionable age along. as well? Because that would have been at a time uh, I would have probably just completed my cadetship as a journalist. You would have been probably the same start of work. But it was a great time. You could... 
uh, take these horses in as being, well, your superstars, your football, soccer heroes, you know, that's what they were, well, at least to me, you know, yeah. I suspect to you as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So, Simone, just give us a little hint of what's happening in the world of greyhound racing, and then we might take our first break, then we'll come back with our lightning stakes reflections. So... What's happening in the world of the, so, the little the little gallopers? Yeah, a huge night tonight out at the Meadows. Again, it is the heats of the Australian Cup and also the heats of the Fantabale Superstars. So talking about significant races that have are named after horses, um, Fantabale won that in 2018. And uh, she has that race named after her not long after it was renamed the Fantabale Superstars. So looking forward to that. Wow, she's fast, goes around in a heat of the Cup tonight. So she jumps from box seven. She is, is at dollar eighty. Is that a moment. good box for her? Um, she just needs to begin. I, I think she's shown she's won the Phoenix from box six. Um, she just needs to get, I think, some room early. And we saw last week, again, was it box six again last week um, when she won the Tem Lee? So, no, it was box two, sorry. So she can win for anywhere, but um, I think it's just the start can be a little bit of a question mark with her, but she's just... All Dollar class, 80, isn't for, she? for people who are listening who are thinking about Nature Strip and Captain Ravishing, Ravo's at about a dollar twenty, and Nature Strip at two. What about the faux pas this morning? Oh, there was one betting agency. Don't fall over. One betting agency uh, uh, put Captain Ravishing through as a scratching today, which caused all sorts of uh, issues. So he's not scratched. He's running. He's running in the uh, chariots at uh, Menangle tonight. So don't worry about that. Um, we might take a break, and uh, we've got a little bit of fant. What, you know when you said Fanta Bale, you're always looking for marketing opportunities. You don't remember Fanta? Yes, the drink. Did they ever? Was there ever a marketing hookup with no. Fanta Bale and Fanta? No. She could have worn the orange rug. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. sorts of things. Well, is there an, oh, we don't have an orange Sometimes rug. Sometimes you see orange rugs at the races. But we could Matt's have an orange rug. a champion at identifying yeah. <laughs> orange rugs, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you used to have competitions. Hey, and that's the other thing. If you want to come to Flemington today, one of the great things you can do at the races is spot people wearing rugs, as in wigs. So another little attraction. So we might but go to a break, into, Yeah, Simone. into the break. We might have a listen to Fanta Bale winning the Super stays at the Meadows back in 2018. Fantabale that fast on the inside. Magic Hornet Speed just in behind them. There came Quick Jagger. They were followed next by Rip and Sam and then came Sharp Diamond. Three lengths away then came Azkaban followed by Bolt Life Beckham. About ten lengths away to Mix Angel. Down the straight with a lap to go. Fantabale's leader two in front. Quick Jagger is second. Three or four lengths away then came Magic Hornet racing third. Going up on the inside Sharp Diamond followed by Rip and Sam. A gap on the race into Azkaban and Bolt Life Beckham down the back. Fantabale the leader being pressed by Quick Jagger on the outside. Fantabale and Quick Jagger there. Four or five lengths clear. Over Sharp Diamond, Magic Hornet and Rip and Sam. Up to the turn, Fantabale on the inside and Quick Jagger late turn for home clear. Sharp Diamond's coming down the outside with a big run. Fantabale in front, nine group ones and the stake earnings record. And Fantabale wins it from Quick Jagger, Rip and Sam. Coming up the outside, Rip and Sam. They'll follow it in. We're broadcasting live from Flemington for Victoria Racing Club and Black Caviar Lightning Race Day. Come and join us. Flemington Summer Racing continues today as we celebrate the legacy of the great Black Caviar. Find out more at vrc.com.au. All right, welcome back. Cracking the code Saturday morning. It's Black Caviar Lightning Stakes Day. Uh, overcast at the moment. I can see a bit of blue, but it doesn't really matter. The stars are on show, and that's what counts. No, absolutely. Uh, hey, we're going to do our three each plus Simone's one out. Uh, Simone's got a big grey superstar to reflect on great lightnings. You've got your three and I've got my three. Um, hey, uh, we mentioned at the uh, the start of the show that Cindy Alderson was a great mate and 
uh, confidant of, uh, of Dean Lester and some of the stories that Cindy um, is, is going to tell us this morning are kind of nothing to do with Dean, the mounting yard guru or, or anything like that. It's about the sort of the side of Dean that, that cl- those closest to him really knew and uh, his incredible observational humour. Uh, you, know addic- you know he was addicted to neighbours. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, he was a big Neighbours fan and all sorts of things that um, I think need, we need to complete the picture of Dean Lester and uh, Cindy, who better than Cindy Alderson, to, to help us through that. Uh, and she joins us. How are you, Cindy? Morning, Matthew. Yeah. It's... And Simone and Dan. Sorry. Uh, morning, Cindy. <laughs> it's been a, a very difficult couple of days for everyone. I think everyone's feeling really flat. Um, I've got some terrible interference in my headphones, by the way. Um, uh, so, Cindy, how are you feeling right now? It's, it's, it's a good opportunity to reflect on the real Dean Lester, and there was so much to Dean that, that a lot of people didn't know. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, Dean, we all know what Dean did in a um, media role and how most people perceived him, and, and like that was fabulous, and, and he was renowned for how good he was as a form student. But I was privileged enough to, to know other parts of Dean, which I think were really um, enlightening and, and certainly had a much lighter side to himself um, when he was talking about, you know, soap operas or movies he was watching or food or anything, really. He had, he had a wide range of interests. No, he did. Even with music, and uh, I remember one time we were having a chat about Van Halen and, uh, you know, Sammy Hagar or David Lee Roth. And, and, and it's funny because if you love Van Halen, you would have an opinion on it. And he was very dogmatic, uh, Sammy Hagar, which I totally agreed with. But, it, you know, it's amazing uh, the, where the conversations can end up getting to. And that was just one example, Cindy. And uh, I reckon, you know, you could never say a bad word about anybody on Neighbours, as Matt pointed out before, either. No, I had them all picked. I think he even had a little run with Bold and the Beautiful for a while as well. Because he was upset when um, Taylor had her face injected with filler or something. Hey, yeah, exactly. Like, and he made me start watching it again, so, so I could keep up with some of the conversations. Um, tell us about Chairman Mao. Well, Chairman Mao um, was actually originally called Fat Cat, um, and he lived over the next door neighbour's property, and he used to be frequent. And um, it was when Leanne moved in. With Dean, that that fat cat decided to come in the house because he was a bit scared of Dean's scooter. And when he got in the house, he would walk around going meow, meow. So he was a very <laughs> arrogant, aloof cat. And his name got changed when he when he came on board to be uh, Chairman Mao. Um, and yeah, he's just Dean was endlessly amused with that cat, and uh, he would send me photos of what he was up to. And um, you know, he was very demanding, very aloof. Uh, Leanne was was telling me that Chairman Mao would sometimes come up to Dean when he was in his scooter, but like all typical arrogant cats, wouldn't let him pat him, um, which would frustrate Dean no end. And then apparently, whenever Dean was feeling particularly bad or having a bad period, Chairman Mao would get on get on the bed with him. So he's obviously a very special cat. Um, and the other thing Leanne shared with me was not only did he take pictures of Chairman Mao regularly, but um, they had cameras installed in their new house and. Dean would get up in the mornings and check where Chairman Mao had been for the night and what he'd been up to and um, tell Leanne about Chairman Mao's rendezvous. And um, apparently even when he was in hospital those times, he would, he would be, you know, be a highlight of his day to see what Chairman Mao had been up to. Yeah, no, Chairman Mao was... <laughs> I remember Dean was very, 
very private man in a lot of ways. And when we were younger, I, I remember staying at his place one night and because uh, he, Ivan Keller and I had, had way too much to drink at Kelly's Hotel and I couldn't drive home. And I remember sleeping on a couch and waking up and there was about a thousand greyhound puppies licking me on the face. Uh, he, he, I think a love of animals, Cindy, sort of took him towards racing and horse races, but there was always that love of all sorts of animals with Dean, wasn't there? Yeah, no, look, he, he really did love them and especially the dogs and... You know, we had a really good greyhound um, at, at one stage that he um, had a painting done of, but he, his mother was very heavily involved in the greyhounds. And, yes, he, he just really loved all sorts of animals. And and even with his racehorses, you know, he, he more saw them as, as extensions of himself in some ways or people, not just like some owners that see them as, as a sort of money-making machines. He was really in love with the animals. Um, if you couldn't love Dean anymore, you do now because he's a, a cat man. It's uh, really lovely to hear, Cindy, that he, he loved that cat because um, I've got cats as well. But even his greyhounds, and he had spoken to Dan and I on Cracking the Codes one time about his mum and him having the greyhound pups all those years ago as well. So they probably weren't um, featured as prominently in the media, but he certainly had that background with greyhounds. Yes, he did. And I remember my, my grandfather was actually a greyhound trainer and... Mum came out of the blue one day and said, can you ask Dean about Star Shiraz? And I thought, what the earth is she asking Dean about a wine for? And um, <laughs> I went, oh, Mum wants to know. So I said, well, you know, anyway, apparently it was a dog. So Dean knew all about Star Shiraz and all the rest of it. And, yeah, he was, um, you know, we had a little foray into um, greyhounds and Dean was an expert on those as well. So he, he did have a lot, um, a lot of varied interests over a lot of, he covered a lot of territory, did Dean? Others were Dean's witness a bit, weren't they, um, Cindy? Because Dean was basically pretty pretty restricted in his movement and bed-bound for the last few years. And he, 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 he really kind of enjoyed others channelling what was going on in the outside world. And you lived in Fitzroy for a while with, uh, uh, with Joe. Uh, and you kind of would a bit of a sort of a, a community conduit for Dean who was over at Cranbourne and he was fascinated by the, the sights and sounds of where you were and there were a lot of photos taken over the years, weren't there? Yeah, well, that, that was right. I remember I used, to get my, I, think I used to get my feet done in tips and toes. That's where it all started from. And I'd look out the window and I, I was talking to Dean and I said, oh, there's Ruby Rose with her girlfriend and they're, you know, having a... Um, a passionate moment or something like that and he said well take a photo for me and, and that's kind of where it all started from and um, so I, every time I saw something I thought it would be because obviously Brunswick uh, Fitzroy and Brunswick Street especially was a pretty eclectic area so whenever I thought there was something interesting I'd, I'd take a picture for Dean and I do remember I, I didn't actually know the soap but he I, he was a massive fan of Offspring and is it Asher Ketty I'm not sure of her name anyway but I, I vaguely remember recognising yeah. this lady's face and I thought, what are all these people doing? And they got cameras and whatever. Anyway, it dawned on me that it was offspring. So I was trying to get video for, for Dean. And if anyone knows me, I'm a complete klutz with anything sort of media-wise. And um, I was trying to get this video for him of her up close and got in the middle of the shoot and got told off and chased away. And yeah, and, But I, mean, I think he just loved hearing those stories and, and you know feeling like he, like you said, he wasn't able to get out. But I hope I was able to give him... A little bit of a taste of, of life in Fitzroy, which I know if Dean had been able to, he would have been there for sure. What about the naked cyclists? Oh, yes, the naked cyclists. <laughs> I do remember that day. There's a, some parade they have in, in Brunswick Street where they all 
get on their bikes. And I remember I was stuck in traffic, obviously, with, with Joe's sister, and we were actually going down to get a script. And I could see these bicycles coming towards me. I'm thinking, what are they wearing? Are they wearing, like, flesh-covered uniforms or something like that? And as they got closer, being Fitzroy people, they had appendages and things tied in knots, and it was just quite <laughs> mind-boggling. And I said, I remember sort of yelling out to Maura, quick, quick, get my phone. I said, I've got to take a video of this for my friend Dean. And I'm sure Maura thought, like, what the hell's wrong with you? But anyway, of course, me being me, I sent it to Dean. He goes, you, you videoed the roof of the car, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> there is a video clip of Queen's song Bicycle, um, and it is of... Yeah, naked women riding bikes. And it's hard to find, but back in the days, in the 70s or 60s, whenever it was taken, 70s, it was um, acceptable. But um, no doubt Dean would have found that video then if he was <laughs> wanting that video of you <laughs> videoing naked men riding down the street. Uh, and oh, Cindy, he, he, lo- he, loved, street. <laughs> he loved lavish stage musicals as well. Yes, yes, we went to Kinky Boots. Um and, um, you know, I, I heard he went, because Jerry Ryan put on King Kong, he, he was really enamoured with King Kong. I think he went a few times to King Kong. Um, so, you know, he, he loved, like I said, a huge range of things. And even um, how we, we spoke about the travels, because Dean, a couple of times in our conversations, his, his greatest hope was that he would get to the stage where he could get dialysis on a plane or, or travel somewhere, you know, so... Um, unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that, but I remember when I was going on my first trip away, I I thought, I'll, you know, I'd be telling him all about it and taking photos and sending them back to him, and I thought, I've got to get him a memento from here, and so what do you get? Because, you know, Dean didn't really need a lot of stuff. I mean, he had virtually everything he wanted, and so what do I get him? And I, I struck upon this idea of a snow dome, and I can remember going around Sicily, but this would be probably over 10 years ago now, looking for a snow dome and Sicily wasn't that sort of touristy friendly at that stage and I think Joe who was with me thought I was nuts and and the people in the shops didn't know what I was talking about but anyway I made it my um, goal to find a snow dome in every country that I visited from then on and and Nikki Burke and uh, Mick Kent when they went to America they followed on with the tradition so somewhere around Dean's house will be a collection of snow domes from um, various countries that his friends visited. Cindy, yesterday morning when I heard the news, I was driving and had RSN on and Robbie Griffiths was on the radio paying tribute and there was one little saying that he said, it was emotionally smashed but incredibly proud. And I thought that probably sums up everything that everyone is feeling about Dean. But what's getting you through this time at the moment? Um, Obviously some wonderful stories. But how do you think you and everyone else are sort of handling it and being so positive? Um, I think a couple of things. I, I do remember the first time I met Dean, um, he had told me that his life expectancy wasn't as long as most people's. And I suppose um, I was always aware of the fact that he had he wasn't probably going to live as long as anyone else. So just to make every moment count with him as could. And, um, and he did that. You know, that's what I loved. So much about him that he did. He made every moment count that he could, you know. And even when his health got so poor at the end, he he still never let it defeat him, you know. So, um, both that that part of Dean's nature and personality I found really inspiring. And I'm sure if he was on the other side of the phone now, he'd be saying, "Don't be wallowing in it. Get on with mm. life," you know, because um, that's the sort of bloke he was. 
Absolutely, and I think you could put together a catalogue of the text exchanges he had with people in the last days and weeks of his life where there was nothing but unbelievable positivity in the face of doom, basically. And Cindy, the little funny thing that Dean and I... You know, everyone's got their own little intimate secrets and so on, and Dean and I used to call each other Brian, right? (laughs) Because there was a time at RSN where when we first started out that everyone seemed to be called Brian. Brian Blackmore, (laughs) Brian Mazzoletti, Brian Martin. So we thought, well, we may as well go with Brian because it seems like the way to hold a job at RSN is to be called Brian. So this is the, the last text exchange well, one of the last text exchanges I had with Dean, and it's, I'm happy to share it because it reveals so much about Dean. All this, uh, it was about a week before he died, and I just said, Howdy, Brian, just saying good day with a thumbs up. And this sort of sums him up. Thanks, Brian. Mentally good, physically wrecked. The pain in my bones is nasty. The pain relief team are doing a great job, thankfully. So he was thanking those who were caring for him. He was still referring to a little in-joke and, and the other text exchanges were, were of a similar note. And I, and I think yours and, and hundreds of others would have had, right up until the last minute almost, Cindy, would have had um, that same sort of sense of who Dean really was through when he was standing on the precipice, but he was still uh, articulate and, and, and positive as he could be and, and still engaging. Yeah, no, look, that, that's... I mean, nobody knows how anyone going to be when these situations are in front of them and you can't predict how somebody's going to um, react to the the news that Dean had got. But um, I guess if I could have predicted anyone, he was as close as I would have because it's just that's the way he attacked life. You know, he never let it beat him. Um, And I I guess the only thing that I said to everybody, and and I know I spoke to you after I visited him, I said, then I found out he passed away. I, I was quite shocked by that because... Um, I just possibly never thought he'd come back from so many adversaries in the past and also he didn't look like he was that close. But, look, I'm still glad that he didn't suffer for a long period of time because Leanne did mention that he'd had a pretty difficult night the night before. So I'm glad that that he didn't... And he looked quite peaceful when I saw him. So um, I hope I'm not oversharing here, but I I think everyone would be be glad to know that Dean went out as, as comfortably as he could possibly go. No, absolutely. Uh, all sorts of other stories. They used to share um, cooking um, competitions with Cindy about who could cook the best so-and-so, and he used to motivate Cindy when she was going away about how fit she should be to go on bike tours and and even ordering how many laps uh, she should do around the block to uh, to get herself to the right level of fitness and all these sorts of things. It was a... a you know, he shared a lot of things like that. But he, um, And the other thing was he, I used to... Because, as I said, struggle to find him gifts because his gifts to me will always take me to these amazing concerts. And I thought, what do I buy? You know, because he always said, no, I don't want it, I don't want it. But he's got Doris the drink bottle and um, Harry the handbag somewhere around the house as well. So he gave them all names and we'd have little jokes. I'd say, how's Doris travelling today? Because she was in a water bottle with a bit of glitter on her. Um, just to really stand him up because Doris is having a good day. Unbelievable. Cindy, uh, you, Cindy, flags are at half-mast today in, in honouring Dean. Um, as I said earlier, uh, it would be expected, but it's still wonderful of ERC to do that. And all the jockeys in race three today are wearing black armbands as a mark of respect. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Cindy Alderson there. Great to uh, reflect on some good moments with Dean. He had so many friends and so many good moments as well. Um, All right, we'll go into our Lightning Stakes uh, highlights and uh, then we'll uh, come back with Mark Pitt. Um, 
might go to yours first, Matt. Yep, yep. Mine are all in a row. 1989, 1990 and 1991. We might, because we're now running a wee bit short of time, Cozzy, let's just pull out the one in the middle, Redelva, for me, in 1990. And I'll talk a bit about Redelva and the other two because uh, we might have to just sort of rush through this a bit to get to Mark Pitt as well. So let's have a listen to a horse that meant a lot to South Australians and was a really feel-good winner of the Lightning Stakes in 1990. Strawberry Ranchers pull right to the centre with Redelva. Then Sun Along Last struggling from Planet Ruler full on by. Show Kelly about eight away from the fence in front. From Scarlet Fish down to the 200 metre mark. Here's Redelva putting in a run. Redelva after Show County. Show County in front of the 100 metre mark. He's a length in front of Redelva, pegging him back. Show County just in front. Redelva's got on turns, put his nose in front, and Redelva. Redelva's got up to win from Show County. Two away, third is very tight. Strawberry Ranch or Street Ruffian. Greg Varco, Millicent. Uh, no pedigree, big, gigantic, big chestnut horse. Uh, came over there and matched it with some of the best sprinters of a, of a halcyon era, Dan. And a, we all love Redelva. Nifty Neville Wilson, who used to milk the cows in the morning and I think retired at the age of 60 or something. So there were so many elements to the Redelva story. And a bit like Placid Ark, he was a bit of an accidental superstar and he was right there amongst an amazing group of horses. Oh, very few horses compared to Placid Ark. We'll get to that one shortly. But your Redelva, Zedative, Shaftesbury Avenue. Yeah, all, all great uh, horses but of course, Black Caviar's right up there. In fact, Black Caviar is not just right up there. Three in a row, hence the naming of the race. This is her in 2011. 400 left to go now. Black Caviar. She's gone to the lead. Haylist only three quarters away. Staying on with her. They've beaten off Warm Love and then True Persuasion. But Black Caviar at the 200 metres. The crowd starts to applaud already. She's gone three lengths in front. Haylist can't go on. A good battle for third. But this is why she's rated the best in the world. Have a good look at this. Black Caviar is going to be eased down to a canter. Scored by four to Haylist. All right, so that was... Uh... That was Black Caviar. Let's go to a break with a bit of Placid Arc, and then we're going to come back and talk about a superstar of another code. Placid Arc, race three lengths in front at the 400 from Rancho Ruler between ourselves and Kenny Lass now coming with a strong run. Placid Arc clear of Rancho Ruler. On the outside, it's special in front, but Placid Arc the leader. Kenny Lass running on well and special out wide. It's a good go. Uh, Placid Arc's won it. Special second. I reckon Kenny Lass has probably run third, just in front of Rancho Ruler. And RSN transmitter check in Bendigo and Central Victoria on 945am. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Malicki and Simone Fisher. Cracking the codes. 800 metres left to travel and invitation only. Runs through the second quarter in 29.5. Captain Ravishing two metres away but starting to put it to the leader now. In third spot, he's a son of a gun. Then Celestio Matuka, hot deal. And further back to the only decision but down the back straight. And he takes over Captain Ravishing and he darts away with his customary brilliance. And the equine jets put 10 metres on them in a blink of an eye. It's Captain Ravishing off the back straight now. 15 in front. The battle is going on for the miners. He's a son of a gun, gets through inside of a wayward invitation only, but Captain Ravishing's got a big lead. First up from a spell in a 26-1 third quarter. Captain Ravishing into the straight, 25 metres to he's a son of a gun. Invitation only, Celestio Matuka. Haranya's running on, but he's a real star, and he's back tonight with a big 20-23 in front of him, and Captain Ravishing wins by 20 metres. He's a son of a gun. 
Gunners run second, interest free third, photo fourth. Well, that big 2023 continues tonight in the uh, Chariots of Fire at Menangle at 9.52pm. Mark it down, come out and see Nature Strip and then tune in to Captain Ravishing later on tonight. I would hate to be right now his driver because I reckon there's so much, not pressure, but there's so much expectation. But Mark Pitt is as cool as a cucumber and he might need to be tonight, Dan. And he's yeah, on the line. Well, I think all he has to do is make sure the key's there and just turn the ignition on, Mark. Is it as simple as that? How are you? Good, thanks, Dan. Yeah, no, look, it is, um, you know, this big publicity tonight. But, yeah, look, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I can't wait. I'm excited. And I heard you got there then, Mark, because um, I know Andy Gath was wanting to put tax on the road to stop Captain Ravishing getting up to Menangle tonight. Yeah, look, um, yeah, no, we, we made it here safe. And, um, you know, I flew in last night and drove back in last night in the Newcastle Mall and um, was fortunate enough to get the win. So, um, you know, it's a good start to the weekend. Uh, well, it's nice uh, backup to have, isn't it, for the Miracle Mile? MacDan winning his second Newcastle Mile last night. You made it look easy. Uh, we know how good MacDan is. He's a very good horse. He's a horse that's made a Miracle Mile. He looks like he's going to make another Miracle Mile. What's the difference between him and Captain Ravishing, or Ravo, as Matt Stewart likes to call him? Um, it, you know, to sit behind either horse, one's a top-class free-for-aller, and the other one looks like a freak. Yeah, that's right. It is. It's um, you know, as you know, all horses different to sit behind. But um, you know, Captain Robertson, he seems to have a, a lot more point-to-point speed um, than than Mac Dan. Is he an easy horse to drive? Yeah, look, he's pretty easy. Um, he's a casual fella, so um, you know, sort of when it's time to go, he goes. And um, yeah, look, he, he's, he's been a great old horse. I made a, a reference before, Mark. I think you'll like this. If you're a fan of Tom Cruise, you will. I said Mark Pitt is like Maverick in Top Gun because he's just the pilot. And, and the jet, I call him the equine jet, just goes where he wants to go. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, he is, he's a star for sure. And, um, you know, he's the best one that I've driven so far in, in my career. But um, just to have his point-to-point speed and his strength, it's just he's got it all. Does he, I reckon Menangle will suit him because of the gentle sweeping bends, but on tighter tracks, is he, does he go so fast that you've got to be careful getting around those turns and he's not going too fast? Oh, look, it's, um, you know, it's, it's with everything. It's sort of a little bit of race experience, but um, from the first day that I drove him, he was sort of very green, but the, it seems this preparation um, from his trial and his last start win, uh, you know, he seems more genuine and, and tractable, so um, that's always a good sign. A dollar, sorry, Dan. Dollar twenty-two favourite he is tonight. Nine fifty-two. The Cordina Chicken Chariots of Fire tonight. You love a sponsor, and uh, <laughs> I reckon everyone is expecting him to roast his rivals. Um, barrier one. I'd made mention previously when I've seen him, he seems to relax really good when there's no horse to his outside. Mark, I mean, we've seen. Not many horses can sit in the death seat and look just as comfortable as they are on the peg. So I sort of thought the one barrier that could make it interesting is if he drew barrier one, and he has. Yeah, look, I think it's a... I really don't think it's a bad barrier. I think it's a good barrier. Um, He's on the fence, and, um, you know, he's going to be on the fence the whole way. So, um, you know, I think he's got enough speed to hold him all wide. Um, You know, he's never really been asked off the gate, but he's come out as good as them every time. And um, I think the gate a bit more advantage drawn in closer. They're sort of at top speed before it lets go. Um, it's a little bit different to the Victorian gate. And Mark, what do you, you do when you, you know you're going to win by a big margin? Have you actually 
really let him go or are you still holding him a little bit? I mean, you've won by metres um, and there's no need to really push the horse when you are so far in front anyway. Have we seen you actually let the horse go yet? No, look, I haven't haven't let him go at this stage. Um, sort of just done it all under his own steam. Um, you know, the, that day will come where we have to, you know, to, to test him, but let's hope it's not tonight. Well, just on that, I mean, he may accidentally smash records tonight, even if the intent is not there. It might be more likely to happen in the Miracle Mile, but, Dan, you, you'll know off the top of your head. What's the Menangle track record? Oh, it's one... Is it 146-something, Mark? I, yeah, I think it's around remember. that, Mark. Um, I think um, Better Eclipse might have went 147, maybe, last year. Yeah, last year. Oh, and yeah. You, you'll come running off the gate tonight. That's the thing from one. You don't want to get crossed, quite obviously, which means... Yep. You're going to be at a pretty good speed when that mo that green light comes on. So it's not a matter of four-year-old bonanza where you just come out, balance up, and you know, make your move. This is you're going to be at top speed right at the start, which makes and he's not the sort of horse that just drops the bit, is he? No, that's right. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a great great for him being drawn blind, and you know as we're, we're in a straight line and we're at top speed before the gate lets go. So. Um no, I'm sure it may disadvantage maybe the outside runners having to chase that little bit extra to, to keep their spots um, before they can roll forward. So, yeah, look, I, I don't see an issue with the gate, and I think he leads, and he'd be very hard to beat. Well, you might not be trying, but you might smash the track record. Who knows tonight? And if you don't tonight, it might be next time. Just tell us about um, the ravishing hysteria. I was talking to Emma Stewart this morning, and uh, you guys were down at the beach, and I imagine it's the one their mascot where Chris Waller used to take winks, for instance. So there's a bit of walking in uh, some pretty deep footsteps there. Uh, what's, what's it like as the momentum and the hysteria builds for Captain Ravishing? Yeah, look, it's a big thing, obviously. Uh, you know, it's what we want to see. We want to see the public behind these great horses and come out and watch them. Um, you know, I've sort of never really had the chance um, to, to drive a horse like this and, you know, the, the build-up to it and, um, you know, everything. It's just it's what we want to see for the industry. Well, maybe they could capitalise on this marketing of Top Gun and, and Maverick and Mark. Um, I will tell the story of how I didn't recognise you at Pony Trots a couple of weeks ago at Melton. We had our kids' ponies stabled in the stalls next to each other and Mark had a cap and glasses on. And um, it wasn't until his son was in the sulky and driving off that I saw Mark Pitt racing on the sulky and I thought oh my goodness that's Mark Pitt I've only ever seen him with a helmet on or I've never seen him with glasses on. Or as a blur going past well, on Captain that's, Ravishing. That's the other thing so maybe they could put you with a pair of aviators on Mark and um, you know do Captain Ravishing up as some sort of horse jet and it could be a really good promotion. There you go. Yeah look it could be yeah. You can pick out the female uh, star that you want to have uh, in the photo with you. So we'll leave that up to you. I think you should make the right choice here, yeah? Hey, uh, Mark, just on the future, Emma has spoken about a potential US quest with Captain Ravishing and, and a couple of stablemates as well. And I think that would set imaginations alight, not just in the harness world, but I think everyone else would latch on to an amazing story of a, a group of Australian stars heading to somewhere like America, but there's a lot of water under the bridge, but the arrow's pointing sharply up for Captain Ravishing in the next 12 months, and it's a, it's a journey that I don't think any of us really know where it's going to take, uh, you guys, and harness racing. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it would be great. There's a lot of talk about that, but, um, you know, as we know, it's, it's a lot to get there, and, um, you know, we've got a lot of races over here before sort of anything like that's decided, but, um, yeah, look, I'm sure it'll be great to be able to 
for something like that, for some great Australian horses to be able to go to the US and um, perform. Well, baby steps first. There's a group one uh, tonight that most people think you've got your name all over it. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, watching uh, tonight. In fact, uh, it's going to be one of the uh, highest rated harness races I think anyone would have ever watched. Uh, so good luck tonight. There'll be lots of eyes on you tonight, uh, Maverick. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much. Good on you. Um, he sounds like the right man for the job. He's a bit of a yeah. dude, isn't he, Mark? Pitt? Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, hey, no. Simone, you're a dude. Are you going to hang around for a little while and take up a, soak up a bit of atmosphere? I'd love to hang around. I hadn't planned on it. Um, so well, we're will... here for a little while longer. Yeah, you can I'll hang, hang with the boys. He wants a runner. Hang with he the boys. He wants a runner. <laughs> hang with the boys and then go and get some guests for us later on. Hey, thanks, Simone. Thank uh, yeah, you. Hang around for a little while because you're going to really enjoy the atmosphere as we build up to the first race. And, Dan, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, big, big, huge race day today. Massive races in Sydney as well. Duff will talk about that. Liam O'Keefe's going to join us first up, the track manager, to take us through uh, setting up for the day. A couple of VRC reps as well. And then we're going to talk to, I think, T.O. Nugent. John yep. McNeil might try and join us as well. One of Dean Lester's great mates and a, a major player today as well. So heaps coming up. And then um, the real test, the quaddies. Oh, yes.